Hey everybody, this is Brent Kellogg, the pastor of Hillspring Church in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And this is our podcast. Thanks for taking time to join us today. Our prayer is that this would inspire you, build your faith, and help you take the next step in Christ. Enjoy the message. We are fired up to hear. If you're new with us today, my name is Brent Kellogg. I'm the senior pastor here. Uh, my wife, Jerry, and I, we have two kids. One's a freshman at OSU. One's a freshman in high school. And we're so honored that you are a part of our weekend. i just tell you a little bit about myself. I was born in southeastern Oklahoma in a little bitty town called Antlers. So if you've ever been south of Tulsa, down through Henrietta, Oltmogee, McAllister, and you ever went that way to get to Texas or probably Louisiana, you went to the United Turnpike, you've been through Antlers. Not a real big town, not a lot. There, there was a time... And then they had a McDonald's, and that was a really big deal, you know what I'm saying? But Antlers was not big enough to have our own radio station, but the radio station in Atoka was actually close enough that like we could kind of reach it, K-E-O-R, and uh, they played country music, all right? Now, growing up as a good church boy, you could either listen to country music or Southern gospel because everything else was from the devil, right? So you could either listen to Bill Gaither and Johnny Cash uh, but in free side note, being from down there, if you're familiar with Oklahoma, Reba McIntyre's from that part of the country. My family actually knows Reba McIntyre. I was at my grandparents' church when I was, was just a kid, McGee Valley Baptist Church, and her sister, Susie, and Susie's husband were doing a revival, and Susie sang and whatever, and church had been going on about five, seven minutes, and down the middle aisle walks Reba McIntyre. <gasps> when you are a 10-year-old boy, and Reba McIntyre walks into your grandparents' church and you are there, you are in love. Oh, I had one of those. You are my biggest fan kind of moment. You know what I'm saying? Like she hugged me. I have not bathed since then. I'm just kidding. So we left Antlers, spent a little time in Ardmore. Actually had a two-story house when we moved there in Ardmore in, in a neighborhood. It's hard to put a country boy in a neighborhood, right? And I remember kind of coming down, and I was all groggy-headed in fifth grade. Right? And my parents were just, they're kind of, I don't know, giggly, sneaky. You know what I'm saying? I'm not awake enough. I'm not alert enough to really catch what's going on. And my mom finally helps me out. Like, look at the fridge. And there it was. There was an ad from the Ardmorite newspaper. George Strait was live in concert in Ardmore, Oklahoma. <laughs> and then his song, The Chair, was number one on the charts in 1985. You, you may not know who George Strait is, but you've probably seen the Christmas movie Elf. And when he's in New York and he's there in that big department store and they make the announcement, hey, everybody, Santa's going to be here tomorrow. And Buddy goes, Santa! Very similar moment, okay? George! Like, George Strait was coming to Ardmore, Oklahoma. I was so fired up. I was, can we go? Can we go? Can we go? Yes, your dad's gonna buy you some tickets. And I had no clue absolutely what to expect. I was from um, Antlers, never been to a concert, right? You know what I'm saying? So I, I had no clue. I thought it would be like me and 10 people in a room with a couch. I thought I'd get to talk to him and hang out. He might let me sing one with him, you know what I'm saying? I was actually, something funny, like that, that was the album that was out. Uh, you can buy an autographed copy of that album on Amazon today for the little price of $2,600. I 
I had that wow moment too. You can take that on. It's about Jesus today, right? All right, so when you grow up in Antlers, you've never been to a concert before, so you can imagine my disappointment when I show up to the downtown convention center in Ardmore, Oklahoma, and there's not 10 people, but over 10,000 people are showing up. Man, I remember we set up in cheap seats on the left side, and my neck hurt up because I was staring down the stage, and I sang every word of every song. I've seen George Strait like eight or nine times in my life. If he recorded a song, if he released an album, I knew it. I read every article that was released about him. I've read the books that were written about him. I used to be a member of the George Strait fan club. Don't judge me, feeling a little just right now. Not that funny, pretty cool. Got a t-shirt and everything. Like I knew everything about George Strait, but I actually never met him. Even today on Facebook, like you can join different groups that are kind of fan club groups. I'm a part of like five George Strait fan club groups. It's me and a bunch of women in their 50s. It's fine. (laughs) I kid you not, my Facebook is Airplanes, OSU Football, and George Strait. That's all Facebook is to me. I am a fan. What he's able to do with a guitar and a song and a Texas swing band. Man, I love me some George. Now, you're thinking... Why in the world would you waste my time on an Easter Sunday morning talking about country country music's greatest star, George Strait, right? So you take all of that emotion, you take all of that in allness that I had as a young kid, might still have some of that, but you multiply it by 100. And when you do that, you tap into the emotions of a guy who was in prison writing a letter to Christians who were in the Greek city of Philippi, he was a fan of Jesus. If you're new today, we're glad you're here. We've actually kind of been walking through the book of Philippians, and today we actually land in that book where Paul kind of talks about Easter a little bit. He kind of talks about Jesus and his resurrection, and that's what today's all about. I mean, Good Friday, we celebrate Jesus sacrificing his perfect life, shedding blood so that you and I can have a pathway of forgiveness to God. And then the story's not over. Silent Saturday. Then Sunday morning, you wake up and you celebrate this resurrection. And and Paul, he talks about that resurrection and how much he loves it and how much he wants to know about it. Philippians 3, chapter 10. Just one verse today out of Philippians. He says this, I wanna know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in death. I'm gonna be honest with you. It's Easter Sunday, kind of one of the bigger Sundays of the year, and I pick one of the hardest theological verses to unpack to preach on. You got it, right? Like, there's a lot here. This is not easy to unpack. I spent three days just reading commentary and reading commentary, and I have discovered the key to writing theological commentary is you put a bunch of big, hard-to-understand, churchy words together in one sentence, and it doesn't matter if it makes sense. I would just fall asleep at times, right? This is, a, this is a big understanding. Why Paul says, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. And I want to share in his sufferings. I want to become like him in death. So all week long, why? Why did Paul say that? Why would Paul say, I want to become like him in death? Why? Why was Paul saying that I want to know Christ? He knew Christ. Why? Why, was Paul, why did Paul say he wanted to suffer? And quickly, there's pretty... 
three things that just kind of pop at me out of this verse. The first one is, he said, I want to know Jesus. I want to know Jesus. But why, why did Paul want to know Jesus? Paul already knew Jesus. Paul had been around when Jesus was doing his ministry. More than likely, Paul was around when, when Jesus was crucified. Paul had actually had this encounter with Jesus himself after Jesus had died, been buried, resurrected, ascended up into heaven. But then in Acts chapter 9, it tells the story of, of Paul having this encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. So I don't think they shook hands or anything like that. There weren't any hugs, weren't any pleasantries. But Paul had this encounter. He knew Jesus, but yet he says, I want to know him. See, Paul was one of the guys that thought Jesus was a hoax. Paul was one of the guys that thought what Jesus was doing, what Jesus was teaching, was evil. And some of Paul's companions and the people in his religious circle, they would accuse Jesus of being from the devil. Paul was doing everything he could to stop Jesus and stop Jesus' followers until that day in Acts chapter 9 where he has this encounter with Paul. On that day, everything changed for him. And we've all had those days where everything changed. If you've had kids, you've certainly had that day where everything changed. You moved to a new city, everything changed. Maybe you got married. Maybe you started a new job. Maybe, maybe you just met someone. Or maybe for you, it was like Paul, it was a spiritual encounter. You were confronted by the power, the spirit, the grace of God. And for you, everything changed. Paul wanted to know Jesus more and more. He knew Jesus. He knew about Jesus. But he's like, I want to know him more and more and more because of what Jesus had done for him and what Jesus had done in him. See, Paul's life was headed one way. Paul would tell you, I was doing all the wrong things with all the wrong people. I was pursuing all the wrong things, and that left him empty. He thought he was doing everything right. Matter of fact, if you study Ephesians, just a few short verses back, Paul says, everything I was doing, when I look back on that, that was trash. That was garbage. The word is actually dung, poop. And Jesus changed all of that. Paul didn't want to know Jesus because he was famous. Paul didn't want to know Jesus because he knew Jesus had done miracles. Paul didn't want to know Jesus because he was a famous country star, right? Paul wanted to know Jesus because Jesus changed his life for the better. Jesus set him free. And Paul used to try so hard to be a good person. He used to try so hard to live the right way and to beat temptation. And he strived so hard to be a religious person, only to still come up empty, only to refer to that as garbage. And he was frustrated. Paul was even angry. One moment, Jesus set him free from all of that. Jesus showed him a different way. And what Jesus showed him was the power of grace. We'll never show you something that like you didn't know and you're like, oh, you just changed my life. Like computer shortcuts on the keyboard, you know, like alt control print screen F. You can get your, you know, I don't know what that does. But I'm saying, anybody ever show you something on the computer like, oh, you just absolutely saved my life. Some people refer to them as life hacks. I, I'm fixing to change your life, not spiritually, very practically. Anybody want some cool Easter life hacks? You ever order, like Jerry and I, we are 20 minutes from the nearest pizza place. Here's a life hack that uh, if you just simply turn your seat warmer on and put the pizza in it, I just changed your life. You are welcome. Closed church, you got everything you came for, right? 
Ever loan somebody something that you forgot who you loaned it to? I had a book that I love that book and I would loan it out to a lot of people, I forgot. Life hack, take a picture of them holding the thing and then that way you just go back through your pictures and remember who you loaned it to. Life hack, you're welcome, all right? Ever um, find yourself in the middle of a thing and how did I get here? Why did I promise I would do this? Why? I'm gonna give you another life hack, right? Don't make promises when you're in a good mood. Oh yeah, we can do that. And your spouse is going, no, we can't. Oh yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, all right, you're welcome. Ever frantically just looking for something now? I know they have the little tags or whatever that your phone will tell you it was, but back in the old days, <laughs> this is crazy, right? You're frantically looking for something. I knew it was right here, I knew it was. Okay, so here's a life hack. When you find it, Go put it back in the first place you look for it because that's where your mind thinks it should be. You're welcome, right? These are life-changing life hacks. I don't, I don't wanna minimize what Jesus did for Paul. I don't wanna minimize what Jesus has done for you and I. But Paul's life was absent of grace. It was all about rules. It was all about making sure I did everything right and it was all about just kind of this angry dictator of a God. That's how Paul saw him. That you, you have to, we have to all be rule followers. And Jesus introduced Paul to real grace, to real mercy, to a new side of God that Paul had never seen before. Jesus gave him a new life hack. And it changed how Paul saw God and that in turn changed Paul. That's why Paul said, I wanna know Jesus. He knew him, he'd met him. He had an encounter with him. I wanna know him more and more, not because he's famous, but because he freed him from a life of just trying and trying and struggling and struggling. And Jesus introduced him to grace. Secondly, Paul says, I wanna know the power of his resurrection. That's why we're here. That resurrection, the power of his resurrection. If you know the story of Jesus, you know Jesus was a good teacher. You know Jesus could draw a crowd. You know Jesus could do miracles. You know Jesus was a healer. We also know that Jesus died on the cross. But it wasn't until that Sunday morning. It wasn't until Jesus actually came back to life that any of the teaching and miracles and drawing a crowd, that any of that matter, it was the resurrection that made all of that significant. Because there were other people that were good teachers. There were other people who could draw crowds. There were other people in the Bible that God did miracles through. But it wasn't until Jesus was resurrected. It wasn't until he came back to life that all of that now really mattered. His resurrection proved Jesus really was special. His resurrection proved he really was more than just a man. He really was different. Like you don't just come back to life. I don't just happen. And I know today with sleight of hand and guys that presume they're doing magic and with TV and like there's some pretty cool tricks out there you can do, right? Escape artists and so on and so forth. But like you don't just come back to life, especially on a third day. You don't just do that. That's not just luck and that's not just something you do by yourself. That doesn't just happen. When God's power re-entered Jesus' body that was laying in that cold, dark, and empty tomb, it brought breath, back into his dead lung. And it put blood in his dead body that had basically been bled out on a cross. 
And he had been dead not for three minutes, not for 30 minutes, not for one day. He'd actually been dead for three days. To do that is supernatural. To do that is the miraculous. And Paul understood that that same Holy Spirit that breathed life into Jesus' lungs, that Holy Spirit of God that put blood back in his body, you and I as followers of Christ, if we've given our life to Jesus, we can have that same Spirit of God that brought Jesus back to life. We can have that same power in our life. So Paul says, I wanna know Jesus, but I wanna know that kind of power in my life. I wanna know the power of his resurrection. I wanna experience that kind of miracle-working power in my life. I want God's spirit that brought Jesus' dead, lifeless body back to life. I want that living in me. Because Paul had areas of his life that needed a resurrection. Paul had things in his life that he needed God to desperately breathe life into. We've all got those dead places where we need God's help. We've all got those places we need God's spirit to touch dead hopes, dead dreams that once were alive, now it just seems it's dead. Maybe a dead marriage or a dead relationship or dead finances or dead love or even dead hope. Even some areas of our life are dead to sin. Like you've tried, but the sin and the temptation was just too much. Maybe it's an addiction that you've just given hope. You've given up hope on being able to beat it. And Paul said that same power that brought Jesus back to life is gonna speak life into your dead situation. Amen, everybody? I wanna know Jesus. I wanna know that kind of power. I want that miracle-working power in my life. I need that same power to raise Jesus, to raise my circumstances. Finally, Paul says, I wanna become like him. I wanna know him. I wanna know that resurrecting power, that supernatural power of Jesus. But he also says, but I wanna become like Jesus. I gotta tell you, the last part of this verse is really, really hard. That's what I spent so many days trying to wrap my mind around, trying to Theologians were talking at it and saying things we all know and so on and so forth. I'm like, how do you, how do you make this practical? Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. In the sharing of his sufferings, but becoming like him in death. Paul, are you suicidal? I mean, what, 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 what is Paul saying? I want to become like him in death. And, and here's the truth. That's why I had such a hard time reconciling this verse. Jesus suffered so I didn't have to. Jesus died, so we don't have to. That's the whole point of Jesus, leaving heaven, born as a baby into the Virgin Mary, doing ministry, healing people, performing miracles, living the perfect, sinless life, absolutely free from sin. So when he died, he actually is the only person that ever qualified as the perfect sacrifice that could pay for the sin of humanity. Here's the rules. Not fair, neither are taxes. Not fair, neither is gravity sometimes. God's world, God's universe, God's rules, and here they are. The wage for sin is death. The punishment for sin is death. Hebrews 9, in fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything had to be purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no Forgiveness. 
That's the story of Easter. Jesus shed his blood. He died to pay for the wage of my sin and, and, and for your sin. And for those who would become followers of Christ, those that would be like Paul and say, I want to know him and I want to know the power of his resurrection so I don't have to suffer, so I don't have to spend eternity in hell. Jesus died for us. So why does Paul say, I want to join in his suffering? Jesus suffered so I didn't have to. Jesus died so I didn't have to. Why does Paul say, I want to become like him in death? And you really have to catch the first three words of that statement. You can go back to the slide, put it up on the screen real quick. Want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, suffering by becoming like him. Paul says, I want to become like him. There's something special about Jesus. There was something so humble about Jesus. There's something in Jesus that said, I will lay down my life. I didn't have to. I was very comfortable up in heaven. I didn't have to come to earth as a baby. There's something about Jesus that was willing to suffer so others wouldn't have to. Paul said, I want to become like that. I want that kind of humility in my life. I want that kind of boldness in my life. I want that kind of strength. I want to be willing to be that person. So connected the dots for me, that's the good news in our struggle. That's the good news in our problems. When we go through bad days, when we go through pain, when we go through difficult situations, you can respond one of two ways. You can get bitter, become angry and cynical and resentful and hurt, or when you go through bad days and trials and difficult situations, it's an opportunity to grow and an opportunity to get better. Trials bring humility. Trials bring patience. Not every bad thing in your life has to be wasted. Not every tough thing that you've gone through. It actually can serve a purpose in your life. Struggle can produce good things in my life if I let it. If I let the power of the resurrection have its way in my life. Paul was saying, everything that I've been through, the loss, the shipwreck, the beating, the prison, the chains, everything I've been through, all of that makes me more like Christ. Every time you've gone through something bad, how you responded, if you said, God, take this and use it and make me more like Christ. As much as I want rid of those problems, don't waste them. Learn the lesson. Let them change you. Let them bring about humility and patience and even boldness. I think one of the greatest compliments I think could ever be said of a person. Man, I just see Jesus in you. And I just, I just, I just see Jesus in you. And what, what that means, that just paints a beautiful word picture of I, I see sacrifice and humility and genuineness and care and love. Man, I just see Jesus in you. That's what Paul saw. That's what Paul knew that Jesus had done for him. That's what Paul knew that God's spirit was still doing through him, even in his trials, even in his bad days. Paul said, I wanna know him I want to know that kind of power that raised him from the dead, and I want to be like him. God can use even the hard stuff to make us better. I want to be like him. My suffering, it's hard, it's not any fun. God can use it to make me more like Christ. And I see Jesus in you. 
I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. And I want to be like him. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's a couple of things I want to invite you to do. First, hit the subscribe button. That way, you won't miss a single episode. Secondly, if this message has impacted you and you would like to help us reach others, visit our website at hillspring.tv and hit the Give Now button so that we can take this message around the globe. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.